Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lambkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lambkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com Hey you, thanks for stopping by at another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Uh, it's me, Tom. You can find me at Tom at CollateralBase.com. Uh, all I do is really cannabis licensing, and uh, there's going to be a lot of litigation this fall work. Uh, today, we're going to have a great deep dive into operating a cannabis dispensary in a highly regulated space, that space being in the state of Illinois. Uh, it's fairly high regulated in Illinois, especially compared to other markets that are breaking out all over the country. So uh, if you want to have a dispensary, awesome. That's great. You know, smash thumbs up. Leave some notes about where you are uh, in the in the country because they cost different depending on what state you're in. Uh, and of course, one of the conditions of all of those is that you have to be 21 or older, uh, but you can be 18 to vote. So change those laws. Hey, Miggy, <laughs> celebrating Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, all the boys, girls and non-binaries. That's right. Inclusion's important. Eric, thank you so much for joining us, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Uh, no problem. Hey, why don't you tell the people um, what you do and, and what dispensary you work for? Uh, I work for Trinity, uh, Trinity MMJ LLC. So we operate two facilities in Peoria, uh, the original medical license over on University that serves medical and recreational cannabis. I personally manage the operations of Trinity on Glen. We opened uh, two years ago, this coming July. Like I said, it's a recreational, you know, only facility. Uh, love it, man. Just love what I do. So glad to be here talking about it. Great. Yeah, like um, Illinois has one of the more strict uh, policies. And so you manage one of the newest dispensaries in the state because it actually opened in 2020 uh, as it was the plus one location. Uh, however, there hasn't been any new new dispensaries since then. There's 185 that are starting to get released uh, coming in, I believe, July 15th will be the first wave of them over the course of this summer. But that was from two years of lawsuits, man. Um, so, so go ahead, me. Well, I was say, because Eric's uh, and we were talking in a green room, you're also like a legacy for the state, you know, a uh, uh, medical uh, uh, brand, I guess, or, or, or grower. Um, real quick, Eric, I think you're crackling a little bit. You might want to come in, come out real quick and we can get back into it. I don't know. Try talking to see if you want to. Uh... Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Yeah there's... yeah, there's just a popping on the on the mic. And so the popping on the mic sometimes is um, 
hey, it's Illinois, what's happening? Uh, and, and so sometimes that's just caused by technology being a jerk. And like turning uh, things on and off. If you come in and come out, maybe it might uh, yeah. uh, be better. You know, mm -hmm. just like all things. Uh, now you're on mute. But all right. He'll jump right back in. But you uh, talked about the medical market, though. Like you guys, medical is something that is weird to me because you had a regulated medical market. You had already people with licenses and stuff. We didn't have to do that here. We just had no. to get a business license. No, we had we were basically consumer packaged goods from the start. So it was yeah. a very limited competitive space. Eric, how's it going? Now oh, you're on mute. Dang, I, I think you. you're not, not you're not mute in the studio, but your laptop or something's on mute. Perhaps. Oh, there you go. Now he's on mute. Try it again. <laughs> we have a bumper for this. Oh yeah, we do. We do. We do. Because don't forget, this is not the first time shit happens. Hello, Eric. Are we in? We're close. We're this is live, there. though. This is this is the yeah. benefit of live people. This is why. Yeah, you always want to test your stuff, but you then like, you know, we're not, it's we're just giving the the information as it goes, right? Oh, like, not only that, like it was working in the green room, and then like sometimes there's just technical yeah. glitches. We hit go, and then suddenly uh, the uh, the mic pop, and I'm like, that's weird. That's like my life, though. But you know, uh, uh, while Eric's trying to get, we can't hear you yet. We, well, we well, can't hear you. We'll, we'll, okay, I'll be back. He'll be okay, back. Yeah. All right. Yesterday, I had the, the privilege to attend a, a, a cannabis, an LGBTQ uh, cannabis uh, uh, for a, a scholarship. Uh, oh, that's this cool. Full, full spectrum program. Uh, it's, a, it's a local Seattle, but they're also national. They work with uh, all the Cannabis Alliance and stuff like that. But uh, inclusion is really important, you know, like we're saying. And uh, um, it's a safe space, I think, out there. You know, it's not safe for all everybody in every state. But hey, Eric. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear oh, you. yeah, not better now. Oh, wow. the pop is gone. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Okay, well, let's uh, resume our uh, interview already in progress. Eric. Back to my first podcast. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, first podcast, but you've been in, uh, in the industry for a bit. Uh, why don't you explain again uh, what uh, you uh, do and which, which dispensary you're working for? All right, so Trinity Young Glen, the rec only dispensary in the center here in Peoria. Um, actually started as a part-time bud tender on the medical side, worked my way up, which, wow. you know, I, I think is super important. Yeah. Uh, we, we were talking in the green room. So, you know, a little bit about my background. So I'm, I'm 41, you know, cannabis has been illegal most of my life. I've been in management for probably the last 14 years for some pretty reputable companies. And it was something that, you know, I always hid like, you know, uh, I love cannabis. It, it's always like kept me out of trouble and kept me grounded, um, kept me focused, honestly. And it was like, everybody thought I was square, you know, I didn't really drink much. So I go home on the weekends <laughs> and everybody be like, water cooler talk Monday. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? It's like, I, oh, I finally don't have a headache. Yeah, I watched <laughs> Nanny McPhee with my kids and went to the park and they're like, you're a dork. And I'm like, yeah, I smoked a fat moonwalker joint before that, but I'm yeah. not going to yeah. tell you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like this was a natural fit for me. You know, all the skills I've developed over the years just kind of like finally came together and, and make sense. And and you know i'm happy like and i think mm. that, that passion and being happy at what you do was really cliche for me until now and i didn't really believe it i thought the goal in life was to make as much money as you could so you enjoyed the time you weren't at work sure. now i'm like wow i enjoy being at work they were right this is the thing <laughs> yeah never well, working it, a day in your life 
Yep. But the, the, the yep. fact that you like climb the ladder, that just shows like the opportunity in the cannabis recreational industry. Like the the the, the fact why legalization is important because I mean you're now a general manager, right? Yeah, so, oh, so I was sweet. in the medical program, and the dispensary offered me a job in sales. And I said, look, I can't quit my gig now, but I was really lucky. I was working an evening job um, for BSI, Binocken Services, if you're not around here. But, I mean, it's a pretty big cleaning outfit. They're in 11 states, 60 different cities. And I was managing all the high-vis counts downtown, the big hospitals. But that job started at, like, 3 in the afternoon with some meetings and then getting my crews out at, like, 5, 6 o'clock when places close. So I was like, hey, will you take me midweek, like Tuesday through Wednesday, like open to two? And they were like, sure. So I did both for, you know, a very long time. And then when Rhett came about, you know, and they made the announcement in Illinois, um, you know, some of the folks came to me and said, you know, we think you'd be a good fit. Would you come on full time? Would you leave your other role and come on as director of Rec Sales? So, wow. You know, started on the floor, working with customers, you know, kind of like the feel of the dispensary, um, you know, wanted to just, you know, learn everything. And they saw that in me. So when I took over as director of rec sales, I launched that rec program here, you know, out of the same site after a remodel in, you know, January of 20. And then, you know, we started pushing for that second site as well, like everybody else who had the option, you know. Mm -hmm. But now we're kind of maybe on a nice little glide into the highly regulated space that is a cannabis uh, dispensary in the state of Illinois, uh, going through not one but two build-outs, uh, let's go through what you saw, uh, and then let's kind of focus on the security protocols that are there, uh, why it, remaining people, they kind of underestimate how much it costs to open a dispensary in a highly regulated state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I want to kind of dispel some of those myths for people. Um, so explain the, the build out process that uh, the state requires the license holders to go through. I mean, there's a, a ton of requirements. I don't want to divulge anything, you know, obviously nothing proprietary, but just compliance yeah, yeah. So for compliance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the security requirements are, are, you know, through the same, you know, as far as you know, every inch of the dispensary is covered on camera. I think everybody knows that. It's not your typical environment. It puts like, you know, 300 plus camera views. So inside now, um, it's got to be day and night. It's got to be constant. Um, the state has uh, remote access to your cameras. ISP, IDFPR can log in and see anything inside now 24 mm -hmm. hours a day constantly. Um, Big brother, like man. Then so when I explain this to people, they're like, "I'll go get a seven hundred dollar camera system from Costco," and I go, "Hey, man, you're in New Mexico. Maybe that'll work." But that's not how. And then you can cite the regulations because they're in there, and it's like, "No, this is what the regulations say. The camera specs need to be. This is how much hard drive you need." You got to be able to read license plates at night with the IR. I mean, oh my god. Now, is that expansion from the medical law as well? Like, is, uh, talking to Tom earlier, your guys' medical was unique from our medical here in Washington, where I just had to grow a plant and then go buy a business license. I didn't have a cannabis permit or nothing like that. We weren't regulated like that when it came to medical. So, now, Correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy. You, you're probably really familiar with the legal aspect is just as much as I am, but... A lot of the administrative rules from the uh, original pilot program were just copied over. There was no no new. We just we abide by the same rules. Most of the time spent writing the the recreational laws was surrounding like the application process and how you're mm -hmm. going to get your permit, and who's going to get them, and right. Um, but I mean, the administrative rules basically carried over. They you know mm -hmm. 
maybe amend some things here and there, you know, as, as things make, you know, more or less sense. But for the most part, we're regulated the same, right? You know, very, very similarly. Very similar. The only difference was really a citation change. But they, Illinois always operated any legal licensed cannabis market as a consumer packaged goods market. They, you would buy it from the producer already prepacked in an eighth. It's ready to go on the shelf and there's no bulk flour. It's not like the farmer's markets that Miggy often uh, opines about and waxes nostalgic where you, the farmer's there with his or her wares and it's just fresh. No, it's it's not. It's uh, it's meticulously dried and weighed and then shipped out the door. Uh, everything and you don't. The, the experience factor is something that I would like to see because I think you can regulate the plant with an experience factor of purchasing it, which is much uh, more consumer friendly or customer friendly. And so when I go buy cannabis in uh, Washington state and you walk into a shop, the shop has inventory, man. I could see why yeah. there's more robberies in a Washington state. There are lax uh, regulations compared to that and inventory is just on the wall and you can see it, you know? Well, there's some we do have our vaults and, and whatnot, but also, Eric, my because it kind of leads us to the next question with your company in particular. Are you vertical or horizontal? Like, do you guys are you grow? Because I had the experience of uh, yesterday. I was at an event that was at a uh, uh, a manufacturer, a processor. They uh, they created carts, Halo Labs, and there was another processor there uh, uh, who makes hash, uh, Golden Grams. And uh, it was a neat conversation about how, like, because the store is very important. Like, the store is like a middleman. Some markets, you can be part of the store. Other markets, not. And then the shelf space becomes a competition, which your sales experience comes into play. Um, yeah. Are, are, are you guys vertical? You can be vertically, vertically integrated in Illinois. And there's a lot of examples of that with Cresco and Sunnyside and Rise and GTI. But Illinois, actually, you know, going back to compliance and, and regulation, which is one of the, the topics here of running the dispensary in Illinois, um, they set thresholds on inventory. So that's not a possibility. A rise store that's wow. operated by GTI can't be exclusively GTI product. That's lit in the regs. And the oh. state, uh, it, during inspections, um, you know, will run through BioTrack, which is a state traceability system, and they'll check those numbers and, and make sure that you're not sitting over a certain threshold in, in inventory counts so yeah that's an aspect i didn't even know about like that you guys have like almost like they're trying to not force monopolies in a store because i mean stores are these they're like the portal to the people right like you know it's not just people going to the gross they're going to a store and so your shelf space like is valuable mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it does make sense i think you know we you know we talk about, you know, it is heavily regulated. I mean, I definitely think that we can ease back on some things. But I'm also like, I don't want to see just like a totally open environment. I don't want to see a Colorado or a California. There's, we have to find a balance because I know that we often think from the consumer standpoint, we definitely want prices to drop and we want product readily available. Right. But for me and not just my own, like I want good jobs for my staff, like too. And, and if it becomes a liquor store model or a gas station model, then you know who who wants that and then all of a sudden the influx of people who are like excited about working in the industry just wanes and it becomes a job again and to me like i said the reason i got in was much more than that like i'm happy i, I don't i don't sit on the edge of the bed put my work boots on contemplating life going can i do this for the rest of my life like i've been with every job up until now 
And don't get me wrong, I think I was really good at every job up until now. And now it's just the sky's the limit because I'm actually passionate about this. Yeah, but how do you cope with full legalization? So, like, I don't – one of the, my big beefs with Illinois' limited market state is you are artificially supporting the price and then you're perpetuating the illicit market. So what was the policy goal of legalizing it? Was the policy goal of legalizing it to secure – guaranteed cash flows to particular license holders who happen to be lucky to get that license or is the, the goal to uh, reduce the amount of illicit sales and and uh, provide availability for the product so that it can be regulated because like when it's federally legal what's to stop california from flooding the market what's to stop all these other states from doing that and then you I think you have a craft model and, and you have um, a corporate model. And Illinois is really leading the charge as to the corporate model, just getting as much canopy space under management as opposed to uh, you have 1,500 square foot of canopy uh, under management. You can have a dispensary right next door, but you can't stock more than 40 percent of, of your product. I mean, even the craft grow license uh, fully canopied at 14,000 square feet, probably going to be able to make about 9,000 pounds a year. You know, it's it's still a fairly large operation. And so I, I just think that there's aspects in the Illinois regulatory scheme that is setting the, the industry up for a catastrophic failure, like after it goes federally. Federal, legal. yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, in that sense, because I was having in that conversation with Halo Labs and Golden Grams, you know, the Golden Grams guy is a was a, a, a legacy grower. He doesn't even really smoke. He just grows. So he's been growing for over 20 years now from the legacy market side down the recreational side and his hash was phenomenal. So, you know, a lot of these guys just have processes and brands. Now they're, you're talking about brands becoming a thing like the Budweiser. Like, I don't know who brewed most of the beer that I drink, but I can tell you Elysian is a good brewery, you know, and now we're trying to associate with farms and whatnot. I think though your guys' regulation though, it is setting you guys' uh, producers process up for failure because here we do have more competition, so they do have to have like quality, good products. Because one federal hits, people are going to know what good weed's about, you, you know. And that's 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 how people are going to learn, and that's what you going to compete against. Post, you like you guys kind of have a monopoly there in in, in Illinois right now. Still, yeah. I mean, you know, I I think that we're talking about two different things. Because I mean, most of that's from the cultivation standpoint, and I, I agree. We still have only twenty three. You can talk about craft, and like you said, it's different though. I mean, we're talking about. The guys who've controlled the market since Med Drop, that, that's the 23 licenses that haven't changed. Mm -hmm. And even though they got caught up in litigation, there were 185 in addition to the 110 and 55 more that are supposed to drop by the end of the year. So, I mm -hmm. mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dispensaries. So, the competition yep. will be there and it should have already been. So, that's not the conversation we're talking about, really. We're talking about the people that are controlling the price points, that are controlling the market, that are controlling politics with big money. They're, they're above me. Yeah, <laughs> above all of us. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, but it's just going to be very interesting. And I, I would hate to see the industry get whipsawed like that. And I think oh, yeah. there's uh, a definite ability to insulate the uh, impact of it if you do have like a craft beer or a craft brewery, because that's local and people love where they live. And so they're going to buy it because it's from there. Uh, well, and, and that that'll be nice. But, you know, there's like 460 growers or something like that in Washington state with like, you know, six million people. Even after you hand out every single craft grower license, now we're only at 150 of those craft grows and, and 22 or 23 of the big guys. And like uh, I believe one craft grow and I, I used to do the math on this, I think it's 15. Uh, one craft grow is 
15 craft grows comprise one of the big licenses. But that's why an open market's a fair market, right? Because then you have fair competition and, and, and quality is going to be the thing that prevails. Not, I mean, people will buy shitty weed. But it also brings the price point down far enough that you don't go to the guy. And then the guy has no excuse but to get a license. And so yeah. that's like, what's the policy goal? Is the policy goal to uh, take the market and then regulate it? Or is the policy goal to make winners and losers as opposed to... I would say winners and losers in the beginning of all this. It's all about the winner because you guys are still not like the KPI thing, like the trans lack of transparency in your guys' market. Your market still hasn't come to fruition yet. That's you know, it's being stifled by the lawsuits and the 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 the, the, the litigations going on. It's it's mm-hmm. insane. You know, your, your consumers really losing out. But being a store like you, like you're talking, Eric, you are kind of in a good position where you're not having to innovate except for like how you bring in the customers right because as a brick and mortar you're just trying to like hey uh come have an experience of purchasing and know that you're going to buy quality weed from our stores or whatever right yeah i mean you know beyond that we do try to provide you know a unique experience and i think that we do um you know like i said i love my job travel around the state i've been up to chicago i've seen the sunny side the enlightens i've been down to springfield and calenville's i've been to the ascends um, not just for the hell of it traveling. I, I drive sometimes on the weekends just to see what other people are up to. What are their processes? How are they checking people in? What's my receipt look like? What software are they mm. using? Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things that I know that we do very unique is, is you know, we still provide an experience on the floor. It's, it still feels like, you know, we care because we do. So when we come in, you know, we've got four or five bud tenders on the floor that aren't tender in product. And other people, you know, that's a... a you know, they're looking at, you know, monetary weights and gains. Is it, is it, you know, more affordable to have this extra staff or labor expense of people on the floor when they could be doing it here? Yeah. Well, it, it gives people more of a one-on-one experience to talk about product, to ask questions. So we didn't have that. So one thing we're talking about, not only lawsuits slow down this thing, we can't tiptoe around that. We launched the rec program in Illinois in January. And by the end of March, we were in full lockdown from the pandemic. The, the consumers on the recreational side of this market here didn't get a chance to even start to understand what well, some people hadn't even been out yet in the first quarter before lockdown happened. They got a lot of questions. They've never got to talk about it. We really went to, uh, you know, every dispensary in the state went to uh, online order pickup model. Yeah. And, and so you weren't able to ask any questions. People were taking home hundreds of milligrams of edibles that hadn't used cannabis since the seventies and just eating it and, and wondering what the heck was going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, I really pushed, we were still in the heart of the pandemic in July of 20, you know, a lot of lockdowns and mass mandates. And I really said, you know, and the owners supported, I said, when we open up, I want people on the floor talking to people. Okay. I don't want to try to be pushing people in and rushing people. People still have questions. People deserve to be educated and they deserve to make good decisions and have good experiences with cannabis the first time. Some people won't try it again. You know, it's yeah. hard to you know what to expect. Oh man, I ate an edible one time. Ooh, it wasn't for me. Well, you know, <laughs> yep. maybe the time <laughs> wasn't right. The bottle of gummies, you know, yeah. a lot different than it used to be. So, you know, we try to educate our staff continually. So there's a lot of different software. Is that a regulatory compliance aspect as well? And so there's also, it's not just the security, it's the safety that it goes on in the highly regulated industries. And so every employee needs to have a certification as soon as they've been hired or like within 90 days or something like that. Uh, the, the responsible vendor training or whatever it is. Um, what types of uh, continuing obligations and what types of training uh, are required for uh, dispensary employees or agents, if I think is what they're called technically? Yeah, so just for the renewal, honestly, it's just that responsible vendor training, which is supposed to be eight hours of training. 
Um, we go above and beyond and we document all that. I probably bore the state with some of the documents that I produce and send to them with, with training. But um, so we do any cultivator training that they recommend. We let cultivators send reps in and specifically talk about their processes, um, which helps our staff to understand. Um, when we start somebody new, that's a question they ask all the time. Hey, you know what, like, how do I, what's the training process? How do I gain knowledge? I say a lot of different ways. This industry is so new. There's not like one textbook that we can hand somebody, right? So we do the responsible vendor training that's required by the state. I said, just looking at the menu and reading product descriptions, you know, so you can understand the differences categorically in the products, talking to other staff. I mean, we've got 30 plus employees under the, the just Trinity on Glen. And everybody has different habits. Some people are big into RSOs or edibles or tinctures, or some people are straight flour and some people are concentrate. So if you don't understand one product category, just be honest and know that and start mm -hmm. to learn it from somebody who does. And honestly, the customers, there's some educated people out there that we, one of the things too, when I talk about service is don't pretend to be the know-all. People don't like that. They don't want to come in and have some cocky experience. Yeah. I mean, they do expect us to be the expert, but if you're not, acknowledge it. Let them know. Say, hey, let me grab... Tom, he, he, he really is on the concentrate train. I'm not. I'm a flower guy, and, mm. and I want to make sure you're getting what you want. So that's first and foremost. And I've gone to places that given me bad knowledge about things that didn't even really matter. I was talking to a guy at a dispensary one time about consumption lounges, and he was like, yeah, the state really messed that up there. Too bad we can't do that. And in my mind, I'm thinking there's a lot of people open them. It is a thing. The state did allow for it. That's bad information. You should just not comment on it. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. As, as a GM, Eric, is there a programs that you recognize as a as a hiring person that you identify like like the Gangier? Like, are there programs that you? And there's another one, Cannabis Analytics, here in Washington State that's actually being uh, accredited through the college. Uh, and they're actually expanding to other colleges. Are there programs that you recognize and say, yes, you you look better on the app resume versus the other guy? So I feel like there's a uh, shameless plug that you just kind of asked for. I don't know if you knew about, but yeah, go for it. I helped Illinois Central College, which is an accredited community college here in Central Illinois. Tom, I'm sure you you know, like right. They didn't respond to my email. What? Oh, sorry, maybe yeah. not. But. <laughs> So, it's just like it's like they uh, they have a, a program that they're going to get started. Then I'm assuming then it just uh, started. I helped develop yeah. that program. I've been sitting on an advisory committee since last February. Yeah, I summer. emailed them and I said, guys, you should apply for this. I could help. Nothing. Okay, so I had no. I, yeah. I don't work for the university. I'm not going to go from from that. Yeah. But so I I was on uh, part of an advisory board. We developed the curriculum, the content. We created a five week nice. program. It just started last week, actually. So I teach the last night, which is going to be a lot of a lot of this conversation, uh, a lot of supply chain, um, labeling requirements, you know, op stuff. And then the final night, night five, is going to be pathways into the industry where we'll have all the instructors come together and we'll try to give, you know, tips and tricks on where to look for jobs and who to talk to. And um, they've intertwined with the program, something that I do like, I'm going to give them a shameless plug, it has nothing to do with cannabis, but a GP program, which teaches just essential skills. Yep. And I feel like the oh, yeah. workforce doesn't have that. They're just not tooth. I joked with my wife, I said, you you know, people hear about a promotion and they'll be like super stand up for two days and then wonder like why they didn't get it. And it's like, well, I still remember that you didn't call, you called in every Friday for the last five years. <laughs> But, you know, vocational is a, like, yeah. you know, just teaching people how to be constant and reliable. And there's some of those skills that are interweaved into the class, too. You wind up getting three GP badges in addition to the certificate for dispensary agent training. So, 
So yeah, I mean, nice. I'm going to put a lot of weight in there. I helped develop it. I know there's some. So I thought of, I try to take everything serious. So basically when ICC came to me, I said, you know, I, I would like to put some things in this course that definitely would appeal to me. Some things like if you came to me in an interview and said, I already know this, this, and this, yeah. that's going to be appealing to me as a hiring manager. That's less things that I'm going to have to train because there, there's a lot. There's a lot of little finite detail. And to me, you know, when we're talking about regulation and policy, compliance is king. And I don't think that's just in Illinois. That's most across the board. Just, you know, sum it up in one thing, compliance, compliance, compliance. And everybody is responsible for compliance at, at, you know, 24 hours a day. At the end of the day, I'm the one who always has to answer for compliance. But I can't be all and see all. So compliance, right. everybody, every little, every, you know, entry-level position needs to know how to handle cannabis and, and, you know, that my badge needs to be around my neck and visible when I pass into the restricted access area. They need to know the difference between the restricted and the limited access and the public access areas. And oh, just- let's, let's see. Again, this these are all new the areas and terms that, like, people oversimplify because they've maybe mm-hmm. sold some weed in college or something. And, mm-hmm. and so, or they've seen a retail store and they think it is a liquor store where there's just very few uh, regulations. You stock your shelves, you you pay the people on the way out. Uh, all that, but it's completely different with cannabis. And so uh, do they have access control keys? And so like, do they have the click, click thing? Uh, they, so they have to buzz in to get to uh, the vault. And, and only certain can... people, everybody doesn't start and have access everywhere. So yeah. But yep. in any business though, right? It's not like, it's not the business that we thought about when you're in college. Like if I buy a pound and split it up and sell it to my friends down the street, I'm now a businessman. No, it's about having a brick and mortar and having this, regulated market that you're contributing taxes to your local community and then you know that the whole infrastructure of the like you went from a bud tender to a gm it's it's a whole business now it's like if you wanted to open a bar i can't open a bar tomorrow i need at least 100k just to get started depending on what state it is yeah it's it's comparable to that but even bars don't have the same type of regulations i mean oh no like it one of the things that's really interesting and so like the juxtaposition and, and when you walk into it as a pot shop as i call them in um washington state uh, it has inventory and you can just see it on the walls they don't do that in illinois we have uh vaults and and then more security on it so you there's no product really on the floor uh and, and that is for security and compliance reasons uh, and so, you know, how do they, I mean, that's, that's one of the things like when they go back, they have to get the, the agent is trained to go retrieve the product from a secure location. Like it's already locked in and closed in that, right? Yeah. You can only dispense from certain areas in the, in the, uh, facility. You can't dispense directly from the vault. Um, so yeah, so we have an inventory day room, you know, we will, inventory into it so if you've been in Trinity Glen you can see yep. that we have like a, a, a post office box type system on the wall and inventory behind that they set inventory into the box the light lights up that lets the you know the agent who's working the point of sale know that there's inventory or product in there um, you know we do the best we can but also not our rules you know just keep defaulting back just to stay compliant um, some of the cultivators have packaging that's clear or opaque and you can kind of see through so you know one of our policies or procedures if that's the case we'll tip the jar at the point of sale but also from a complaint we can't let go of it we can't hand it to a customer they can try to read it and you'll have people reach and they think we're being stubborn Correct. but like you can't i can't they've probably can't bought in michigan package. that's probably the it, problem it, yeah, like it, didn't you want to read yeah. on it but you can't right. 
Right. But then like, I, cause I, I bought some in Michigan and they had deli style and I'm like, we do not have deli style where they no, just have I've big glass jars and like the little, um, chopsticks. Like Oregon. like Oregon. And so it's deli style. And you're like, you lucky sons of bitches. <laughs> but you know, Chad makes a point in the, in the, in the, in the comments here about education. And as far as like, uh, you know, none of the education sponsored by the states can talk about medical, right? Can't talk about the endocannabinoid system and, and make medical claims. How do we how do we approach that aspect of like bud tending and, and education as far as like health benefits go? Like where do you, where do you see a, a program out there recognizing that? Do you, any, anywhere, Eric? So I don't want to jump the gun, but I just think um, you know we can do more. So when community college start accepting grant money, which the dispensaries and cultivation centers have to. So what you said, yeah, there's a fine line if they're, if they're state-sponsored. So this program that we're doing at ICC is not state-sponsored. So uh, we're, as a dispensary, also, you know, to, you know, ring our own bell, but we're one of the few in the state. I'm a full-time registered nurse that works with me at Glenn and our wow. education department. She doesn't do sales. Her, her, she strictly consults with people. She is a nurse right now. She's active. She works on the weekends part-time mm. still, you know, and keeps her license active. Um, she's also a pediatric cancer um, survivor. She's used cannabis her entire life since she was a preteen. And she's done countless, countless, wow. countless research and still continues to. And that's a service we provide for free. Anybody who wants to consult with her, that's not just to help get your medical card to further our medical interests. That's people who already have a medical card and are unsure how to start using can come and schedule a free consult with Anita, our nurse. Uh, she's an amazing asset. But anyways, be, she's part of this program as well. And her mm. assistant, Stephanie, have two nights of this course where that's what they talk about. They talk wow. about medicine. They talk about the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about everything from the uh, over my head. Look, I'm the ops guy. I can tell you throughput and, you know, all the KPIs and, and inventory thresholds. But they can she can tell you inside and out about your CB1 receptors mm. and how cannabis interacts with the body. And they're teaching that as part of this program. And I see the first two of the five nights are really all about the plant and the plant science. There's a whole night on uh, stigmas and myths. Mm. They play the Reefer Madness movie and kind of show what people were exposed to back in the day and the kind of stigmas we're trying to, to bust down there. And then it just progresses up into today and then gets passed off to me to be like the ops and very business yeah. right yeah. to it kind of guy. So, But that's cannabis, right? It's this amazing plant that has so much like different people and business-wise. And, and it's not just like like the stigma where we're all just like getting high and sitting on the couch. I mean, that's what I'd rather do in life in general. If, like, no, if, if everything was perfect, I'd be smoking weed right now playing video games. But no, it's like. There's a fight. I, joke, I don't know the exact meme, but it's like Snoop, and it's like, oh, stoners are like, like how busy is he? This Seriously, like and lighters, and music, <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. like he's the busiest guy you ever met. I don't think he slept in a few decades. Uh, well, <laughs> the, the myths and the stereotypes perpetuate, and one of the things that we always rail against as well is there is algorithmic suppression of our industry, and then. One of the things we rail about less is that license holders also have um, their commercial speech rights substantially restricted relative to any other license holder. And so if you are a license holder in the state of Illinois or in the state of New Jersey, uh, there is a whole list of rules that your advertisements must comply with. Uh, and like just what your packaging requirements must have. If there was warning labels, I don't think Illinois officially has adopted a, a specific warning label like they have in some other states with a particular, like, you know, the the weed with the exclamation point label that you see in yeah, California. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but all of that comes in and it's like, meanwhile, 
Spuds McKenzie was selling beer to children <laughs> in the 80s yes. at the Super Bowl. Yes. I think I won a little <laughs> Spuds painted glass at a fair throwing cards <laughs> at balloons when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah of course. You know, it's wholesome. Yeah, but it's one of those, it's what we kind of are shooting for, is just parody. Just the quality with uh, a substance that is, if anything, worse for you. You know, like here, sure. here in Washington, people love it, but okay. it's not the best thing for you, you know? The parody that you're talking about, like here in Washington, where the gummies, the shape of the gummies, are you freaking kidding me? Like, how, how dumb do you think kids are? Like, oh, I'm not going to eat the one shaped like a, uh, a square, but the bear ones are all calling for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's dumb shit. I saw a joke. I don't know if it was a real proposal, but they said the opposite because it's so hard for us to reach for that equality with cannabis, and we like to compare it to alcohol. Somebody proposed... All right, well, then just bring alcohol back and regulate it the same way. Let's start to take traceability systems and secured and limited access to areas and vaults and no yes. displays and, and, and advertising restrictions. And let's do that. Oh, my goodness. I bought it. It's hilarious. And so, like, the, the lacks of restriction for uh, alcohol. And so I bought some vodka from the Ukraine because, you know, hey, support them a little bit and get drunk. But then yeah. also um, in Europe, they have these little pore limiter spouts. Uh, on their alcohol containers. And so this one had it. And I had been talking to my girl about this earlier and just how in America you can open just one of the bottles of Tito's or some American brand of vodka or uh, whatever libation is of your choice. And then it just pours right out. There's nothing stopping it from pouring the heck out of there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But then like in Europe, they have these little stoppers. And so you can more carefully control your pores so that you're not going to overserve yourself. Meanwhile, in America, no, like they had Everclear on the bottom floor. So like right there. So a kid could just be like, here we go. Everclear. And then if you open that Everclear up, it'll just, it'll just, you know, just immediately get out of the bottle because they have those large uh, glass lips. Uh, Anyway, it's, it's the the abject lack of uh, sense when it comes to regulating something. If you just look at it, like as it is, it's chemicals and go, Oh, what does that do for you? Hmm. Well, what about this one? Oh, well, that sounds much worse. Really? So they just put it on the floor. I think the same thing with purchasing limits, if you compare it the same way. It's like, all right, I yes. can only buy 28 grams or, or 500 milligrams of edible. But if I go into Super Liquors right now with 25 grand cash and say, hey, load up, you know, 17 kegs and four cases of vodka and drink myself to death and giggle about it, they go, sure, let's help you out. That'll be 25 <laughs> 50. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Why can I buy cotton candy vodka? Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna go buy some terpene infused joint. It says cotton candy, but that's gonna call the kids. Or that's- like, yeah, Mike Mike Tyson can't sh- sell some years, and then yeah. it had nothing to do with the copyright claim or the uh, you know the. Uh, yeah, I think Evander Holy Holyfield had Just a claim shape. against him on that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. one? I'm not sure. I'd have to do some experimenting on that. But it, it's just so ridiculous. Like in New Jersey, if you're gonna do uh, an ad. They have a very specific, like two digits. So it's like, I think it's 71.43. I could be wrong. I don't have the regulation in front of me. But you cannot run an ad on like, you know, broadcast media. So like, we'd be good because we have data in in YouTube. We're like, nope, 90% of our viewers are over 24. Uh, Here's the data. And um, so it had to be like 73.41% over the age of 21. If you want to run a commercial for cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I don't even know if they have a threshold here. They just it's so vague that they can enforce how they want. It's just like you can't yeah. market to anybody under twenty one. So any medium where somebody can't say, Hey, hundred percent of our market is XYZ, you know, 
Do you yep. guys have uh, like uh, bands on like the leaf? Like any representation of the pot plant and display? Yep. That's yeah. dumb shit. Yep. So anything that would be considered marketing, um, so anything that we may give away. So with our logo too. So like if right. we had a Trinity logo and a canvas leaf on a t-shirt, we couldn't give it away. We could sell it as merchandise, but the second that it becomes marketing, you know. That's so fucking dumb. Though. Why yeah. is this barrier of like, I can't it's give this standard. away. Huh? It's a double standard. It's just, it's just so infuriating though. Like it sounds it's like it's like while they're doing their lines of cocaine, we're gonna make rules about like this is the line for like weed. Like this is just dumb. Yep. It makes no sense. Yep. I, I think the problem is and I you know I don't wanna upset anybody about me, but I just think that the legislators who are controlling a lot of the laws that really don't understand or have ever used cannabis. Right? No, they are completely <laughs> politicizing it. In my yeah. opinion, like I have never seen a more politicized rig system than Illinois adult use cannabis licensing structure. And like, I look at what they're doing in New Mexico and what they're doing in New Jersey. I'm getting my law license in New Jersey. It's like, I need to learn what you guys did and then report on it to the state of Illinois because damn. Uh, and, and so it's just ridiculous. But um, these craft grows might now get held up for another year because of lawsuits. Um, is it great? And so then the dispensaries now, because more availability of dispensaries, more coffee shops, more coffee sold. So more availability of these dispensaries, and then who's going to be supplying them? The same 23 companies that are currently supplying. Yes. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but the, the taxing on the, the recreational side in Illinois is just, uh, it's just tough. You know, it's so tough. I know one of the things you talked about in, you know, being out west, and we love quality too. We, we all, you know, that's what we saw in the legal market. The first time I went into a dispensary with my medical license, it wasn't because I couldn't get cannabis. It's because... I loved everything about it, and I wanted to see that high times cover shit. That's why yeah. you know, I had cannabis yeah. at home the first time I went to the dispenser. I wanted purple and pink. I want a big cola. And hairy, you know? I mean, yeah. Like but I then it became like, yeah, then once they had home grow, and you yeah. could bring, you could control genetics and bring in a harvest. Like, um, that I'm not is. I'm saying that there's yeah. not some good product available. I think that actually. We're, we're spoiled. Decent. I'm not going to say we're yeah. up there to Cali standards, but there's some decent product in the Illinois market. But by the time mm. you tax it, not even the cultivators controlling price, but by the time you tax it from the state, I mean, these recreational customers can be paying, you know, 80 and $85 for, for 3.53 grams. And so that's, you know, when you're talking about that earlier, yeah, the craft market is a different market, but it's going to be tough to compete. You know, I think. The, the 23 still control it. They, if they start dropping their prices, then yeah. and that gap is bigger and bigger. And, and, you know, everybody wants good smoke, but they also just, they want smoke. So That's right. I That's mean, right. They're still and they're like, oh, I can get this house for two or 250 or I can get this eighth for 90. They're, mm -hmm. they're, it's going to be tough, you know. And they could turn on the spigot. They have so much canopy space. So yep. it, they, the price, wholesale prices in Washington are based, no, no, retail prices in Washington are basically wholesale prices in Illinois or in New Jersey. Uh, and, and so like, same with like when I bought that stuff in, in Cali, it was like 30 to $35. You are buying a quality eighth and that's out the door. Like after all the taxes on top of it, yeah. uh, that puts the guy down the street out of business. Yeah, you know, it's yep. funny you, you, how you mentioned the term of spigot when it comes to your guys' market in Indiana because it just makes me think of like OPEC, right? Like gas could be totally cheaper if these assholes would just like do more business, you know, do more output. But no, uh, it's controlled by paid instead. They're just, like, yeah. good, good. <laughs> I like money and, yeah. and, and and screw everybody else, which is horrible. Yeah, but that's also not what cannabis at least. 
in the business side of things that we think about in the early days, right? All the hippies and, and just giving. And then you see it like it, it is an agricultural product where if there was a free market, open market, people would grow excess and then have enough to give away, which they've done for like uh, samplings. But like just the fact that they make that a crime, you can't give away your product for samples. Uh, we have the same merch issue here where it's like they can sell it versus giving away. I just don't get this. Like, why can I, I give specifically shit? said no gifting of cannabis in the Illinois laws. That right mm. now, no gifting. And that's one of the reasons why. And I was going to ask you this question, by the way, uh, jabs for joints. Remember when everybody, because of the pandemic, oh, yeah. some of the headlines that you'd see were if you showed your COVID vaccine card, you'd get a joint. And I'm like, that would never fly in Illinois. That is yeah, no. impossible. Yeah. And, and I would love for that I would to have be Pfizer, a market. Moderna, and, and <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but Johnson you cannot Johnson. do it, you know, and so it's all these regulations. And so I can't wait for full legalization because that's when the industry can really start fighting and be like, no, we do actually have the right to say this on television, just like we are a beer company right now. You're really kind of at their mercy. I mean, you're at the mercy of even the, the federal not shutting down the adult use. They have the funding. They can't come after your uh, medical operations. and They don't have the funding for that. There's actual case law on it. And so like, we can attack them in the courts. But the uh, it's, it's sad. I mean, like, but, you know, why? It just, but it's the one sentence law, like cross this out act of 2022. We know this word right here in the Controlled Substances Act. Cross that out. End out. of bill. Yeah. And, and they're like, but well, we have to fix all these other problems. No, we don't. We've been fighting over those for decades. Yeah. We wait until we fix out. all those other problems. Yeah. Let's start and then let's start fixing it because you know yeah. that's going to, you're going to need to do that. It's not going to be perfect anyway. Just let's yeah. roll with it and we'll figure it out. Yeah. What do you guys see for you guys' market out there? When, when do you see like anything happening? Because, you know, while you guys are about to expand, because I mean, you guys can choke the shit out of, Oklahoma is about to be construct constricted. Like they're mm-hmm. they're coming up on I think an August deadline where no more new licenses. Like they're going to try and control their market. They're happy they about that. like a lot of the people in Oklahoma that I hear that are trying to get out of Oklahoma. They would be fine if the price went up. And so it's this fine balance somewhere that. That's what I was saying earlier. I'm not yeah. going for full blow, and I don't know yeah. anything about Oklahoma other than hearsay. I'm not going to wild wild west wide open. We always hear yep. wild west is the reference I hear. So yep. I think they need to be a little bit more reined in, and we need to loosen up a little bit, and we just got to find that happy balance in there where it's a good market for the consumers, where we're putting out good product, and there's still good jobs for people in the industry. I think that those three things, in my opinion, are all you know, the most important. So I think they're doable, but then the way that they're doing it, that's one of the reasons I've been more impressed with Michigan and and now New Jersey, I think is doing a pretty decent job of rolling out. And New Mexico looks like it's uh, the most open, the adult use market, but water rights are difficult down there. Uh, And it's all very local wherever you go. But uh, the, the overhead costs that you must bear because of all those compliance aspects and because that it's federally illegal and you can't access, I don't know, like credit cards so that your cash handling becomes substantially less risky. The security, I think you're going to have, I think it's like a casino. You're going to have the security because that's a fungible product. Something you can just take and sell, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, even, I mean, it's just the operational requirements, yeah, are just like none other. I explain that to new people in the interview process. I go, look, any other retail environment, I'm counting six Snicker bars at the end of the day. Inventory says I have seven. There's a line on your PL for that. There's a loss I have already filled in. Lost a Snicker, no big deal. Hmm. But in this industry, it's, you know, I, the clock starts ticking and literally the right. law says I've got 48 hours to locate and correct that incident myself or I notify the state. And then I'm subject to fines. Right. Um, even if I find it at that point, I don't get fined. You can't tell me that nature of the game is that I'm on a list at some point if I start to incur a lot of those types of incidents. So, yeah. Right. And that's inventory not. control. I mean, like, that's a yeah. whole aspect of your plan. People will ask me, well, why does it cost so much to get an application for an Illinois cannabis dispensary? And I'm like, because it's complex as fuck. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and they don't get it. And so I'm like, all right. But then like for, you know, New Mexico, I'm like, eh, five grand, you know, here's your social equity plan. Here's your LLC. I'd set it up this way. Good luck. You know, and, and then that is not Illinois at all. And no. then you know, New Jersey, somewhere in between, like it's, it's about 150 pages of documentation, not mm. 500 pages of documentation. So maybe that'll be the right balance. Uh, but I think they really need to not skimp on security as security is, I mean, you read about a lot of robberies in Washington state. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing stepped up security. Like I'm only imagining these guys are incurring more costs now because they didn't, ex they didn't plan for this kind of security. Uh, there was one of these places I go to, uh, they actually had a built a two tier buzz system. Like they're not fucking around. So, you know, that cost them, you know, five grand, whatever he's got to eat up the cost for a while. So, you know, if you don't plan ahead, you know, and then the shit like what's going on here with the armed robberies and, and people actually getting shot, you know, uh, you good security is fucking a thing, especially for your shots, man. Yeah, yeah. Shit. I can't help but think that, like, you know, hopefully, maybe I'm just an optimist, but just the tucky, tough economic times right now, too, are making people desperate enough to do things like that. So it's beyond cannabis. I mean, the government needs to get their shit together and we need to build middle class here again. So oh, yeah. Sorry, that's a whole side. No, no, it's it's yeah. true, and people like don't get it because like I run a, an online business with my law firm and my consultant firm that's online. All of my dependencies are managed in Canada. Like, there's no software providers in the United States really anymore because of how expensive healthcare is and how expensive student loans are. Uh, trying to compete in a global information marketplace and you don't pay for your citizens' health care or their education, you're just setting yourself up for the kind of crap that's going on right here. Yep. 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 But, you know, I think if we had more cannabis available, more people would realize that. Yeah. Well, it would be a better option. <laughs> Wellness, right? It would be like, do I want to smoke it because I have, uh, 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 what do you call it, Crohn's disease, or do I smoke it because I have a case of the Mondays? You hey. know? Either way, it's therapeutic. You know? Exactly. I, I didn't know that until I got older, but, you know, I was reading something not too long ago, and it goes, you know, most people who use cannabis, and even if they say they're recreational users, and you start asking questions, you ask the right questions, you know, maybe like, hey, I like to smoke before I go out. Well, why? Well, you know, I don't know. It just makes me more comfortable, and I talk to more people. Also, it qualms your social anxiety. Oh, I guess yeah. it does. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Like, yeah, people, it, even on the recreational side, like, I really believe that there's just so many benefits to it. That you just don't even understand what you're getting from it or what your body needs of it. You may just be having yeah. a good time, but, you know, everything inside you is having a great time, too. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're balancing your endocannabinoid system and that helps yeah. your body regulate itself uh, and, and get out of whack. But that concept, like there's a medical application for cannabis is still denied by many people in political office 
that have power over all of us. And I just don't get it. I'm like, you're you're just it's kind of like the people that are against global warming. Like and now we're about to have a nice heat wave here this week. Uh, mm. and, and so uh, it's it's just bizarre that people will put their beliefs well over any evidence as uh, compelling evidence uncontrovertible evidence just like duh evidence and they still won't believe it and and then once you realize that's the world we're living in you go oh shit i'm gonna get some weed. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say something horrible probably but when this pandemic broke out i remember i was still working because we were essential and i just kept yeah. hearing about tiger king tiger king so i came oh, up shit. one week i told my wife said, we gotta watch it everybody's watching it i looked at her, i said Everybody in America is stupid. They're all home right now, and this is what they do. Yeah. Watch. They can watch yes. any damn thing on TV, and this is it. I fell asleep ten minutes in episode one. Hey, man, the Kardashians have been a thing. You know, you can't just point out to one moment in America. Never heard stupidity. of them. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I, know. I know. I'm just kidding. But you know, the thing is, like, we are we constantly shoot ourselves in the dick. Like, 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 it's like why. Right now, today would be a good day for the Morak to go through, right? Like, if, if there's, but why is it not going through? Because these jackasses have the caca bill that they want to push through, which the parliamentary procedure is a pain of freaking ass. Like, this, the mm-hmm. whole how to get to anywhere with government, yeah. you know, more focus needs to be on Schumer. Like, you know, the reason why there's not so much outrage with cannabis and its, and, and its, and its prohibition is because the people who are suffering are fucking locked up. And they have with no voice. Uh, yeah, Craig Cecil can't get a job. Yeah, what the heck I, is up with that? Yeah. And so, like, I, I look at the social equity requirements, and like some of them, I'm like, you have to live in certain specific areas for a long time. And I'm like, you realize that violates the dormant commerce clause. Yeah. And then, uh, then you look at the other ones where it's like you had to have been caught with this much to this much weed, and you're like, what? So like, you're saying that. There's levels of wrong. Like, what, are we legalized? What are we doing here? Like, what's our policy goal? Or yeah. you could have ten full-time employees, so you can buy your way in. Uh huh. And like, it, uh-huh. goes, it goes to the most social equity, not social equity, but there's there's scales and, and ratings of it, right? Yeah, it, it's it, well, it's the limited license, and then it's the social equity, and so it just seems like it was created so that it would fail and just will, you know, kind of meander in courts for many years. And therefore, the people that had the, the rights, like the pipes, the the you you know the licenses, now they're the only game in town. Well, you know, this social equity argument is is a, a needed one, but it's also one that's going to be like I honestly don't think like state by state, it, it wasn't an issue when they first started legalization, right? Like Washington State had no inclusion of social equity in the, in the law. Later on, they they try to re- look at it, but the thing is, if you have a fair and open market. That's where you start, right? Because then you don't need a, a social equity law because we're all starting with a fair, equal grounding. Whereas you guys had this mysterious KPI fucking KPNG. Uh, it's, KPNG uh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a very large accounting firm. Mysterious, uh, like, like the transparency, though, for like, again, there was no equalness. There was no equality in that thing because it was just people with money. It had nothing to do with, you know, color, or whatever. It was just money. That's what yeah. all this has been about. You yeah, know, there's greed been a lot of greed. <laughs> Greed's an okay thing. It motivates people. Well, <laughs> you just have to regulate it a little bit, you know, and I make sure that the rules are fixed. Standpoint, that's how every program has started. I don't think any of the politicians in any of the states with the medical or rec program started because they cared about cannabis. To be, I mean, yeah, right. No, it was for the taxes. I don't think that's unique mm-hmm. to Illinois. 
<laughs> no, and that's that's some of the problem. No. I think if the 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 legislature understood the plant a lot better, uh, there would it would be just as subsidized as corn. People would be championing it. They would be saying like we made the the ethanol would be made from hemp herds or, or seeds, uh, and then all sorts of other stuff would be great. Uh, they don't do that though because there's other industries that are already in the way. Like for one, the petroleum companies. Uh, they already get the money. As soon as you have the cash flows, you don't want to give them up. Well, you want know, them to continue. Yeah. But not just the monies, but it's also the, the, the ignorance that's been instilled in these people's head, right? There's a bumper that it can't get through. Like, well, no one's going to die. The world's going to be better off if, like, this plant can be used for both wellness and industrial, like, products. It's, it, but they can't wrap their head around this, like, multi-platform plants. You know, it's, yeah. it's more than one thing. Unfortunately, I think you hit the root of it. I mean, I know that most of it's centered around greed, but I mean, to be honest, I had this argument with somebody, you know, a friend of mine was like, man, if we converted every cornfield in Illinois to, you know, hemp or cannabis, I mean, it could do so much more. And he said, you know, you talk to a lot of people and, and you got a good voice. Like, you know, how would we get that done? And I said, to convince the right person, it's going to make them a lot of money. Right. And so, and, and look, I got to clarify this. I'm a realist. So when, when I say that, people think I'm some greedy muck. I'm not, right? I have two young kids. I live in West Peoria in a very modest house. Like, no, I'm, I used to I'm live there. Like right. everybody else. It's just, it's real. And I'm just honest. I said, look, anything right now that's doing good only did good because somebody's making money. I said, Dude, wind power, everybody's super excited. Somebody's building the damn windmills. Somebody's selling them to people and making yeah. fat commission checks. Like, and predictable like cash flows. The byproduct is that yeah. something yeah. good happens. That's the byproduct. Yeah. Nobody got into it for that reason. <laughs> well, and that's why I've always been like, MSOs do suck, but like in the end, rich people don't want to go to jail. So if we can get these assholes to realize like, hey, we changed the law the Morak. Because competition, this it's right. They're all afraid of like there's gonna be this big crazy competition. But homebrews haven't put out Anheuser Busch. Homebrews haven't put out new craft breweries that are coming out. Oh, they know, get bought out. Yeah, and so they get bought out and they get a bigger distribution deal. And and it's a farm system, and that would be great because then you can have all these new brands that can come up. That's what I believe in. At least uh, you know, let the municipality set the number of dispensaries. If they want that many dispensaries. That's all they need. That's what their rubric is. They don't need any more. But uh, don't limit the number of cultivators and start them real small. Like in Michigan, they have a hundred plant license, so there is no reason why anybody should be selling weed illegally. Uh, and allow, and, yeah. yeah, well, allow the craft growers to get involved into the the, the big market, right? Because people are going to buy good weed and bad weed, but we all have to have an understanding of what that is. Well, we have to. You have to allow the person that cultivates and thinks that they have the great stuff into the game. And so yeah. if you don't do that and you make it this locked out structure that is just so dependent upon cash flows and then using those cash flows to justify a stock price, uh, it, 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 it creates little disturbances in, in the, uh, in the culture that I prefer to avoid seeing. Yeah. Monopolies. I mean, keep, and the, you know, the, the old, old driving thing of taxing is, is still, you know, important to me. I don't know that we can do anything about that in the state. That's why they gave it to us. But, you know, no matter how much competition in the market, we can sell eights for, you know, 40 or 30 or 20. But if we're still paying a, you know, a 50% tax rate on it, yeah. it's, we're not giving much really, yeah. no matter how cheap we can sell cannabis for. I mean, yeah, they shouldn't have taxed it at that ridiculous oppressive level because it's just, it, but they, it's a cash grab. 
grab the cash. That's the name of it. And we are the state of Illinois. We're putting it in our pockets. Thank you very much. And now they're going to have another 185 outlets out there for more cash to grab. Uh, But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's very difficult to lower taxes. Maybe that's going to be what the uh, people run on for the state legislature in 10 years. It's like, I will lower cannabis taxes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If enough people buy, because, you know, they're throttling your market. They don't, you don't know what the true potential of your guys' market is. You know, like, not at uh, all. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's it's got to be at least. I hit that double what it I is. Said we started in a pandemic, and we really haven't. We we just eased out of it, you know. Like, and mm-hmm. there's not enough not retail to, outlets. Time to go, you know. Right. It's legal, woohoo, and you know. <laughs> but like, how many like of the cannabis purchases are impulse? Like, oh my god, pandemic! Go hide. Stop yeah. buying. <laughs> but think about how many how many of the purchases for cannabis would be impulse buys? Like, you know, if there's more coffee shops, you're going to sell more coffee. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why it'd be great to be more of a vertical operator because you could sell a you have a great shelf space agreement for about forty percent of your uh, shelf at whatever the uh, retail location you own. But then also, you know, you can sell the rest out to somebody else, and there's going to be greater amount of sales because there's a greater amount of sales points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I think is going to double the the industry as soon as those hundred eighty five are out, and we might be getting up towards two and a half to uh, three billion dollars. But that might take another year or two because they have to get all that canopy and all those uh, locations open you know yeah, yeah. plus you, I mean, you know who you know what is going to evolve from this industry and like i said you know the pandemic and in the pause of these licenses because not just the craft grow licenses but there's you know there's process licensing in there because the craft grow alone only allows you to produce dry cured flour right no they've really screwed up this industry the infuser can do nothing they have to buy the oil from the craft growers. That's the what I'm infuser, but they, but the, so the, the, craft, the craft grower can do everything the infuser, the infuser license, can. Right? No, the craft grower can do everything the infuser can. So the infuser is really almost as worthless as the transportation license, which is really mm-hmm. worthless. And so um, it's it's one of these where you're just looking at like Illinois relative to other states, and I'm just like. So do you think the license is irrelevant now, but that's framework for the future for like cafes like we all want, like they would be able to buy with or be able to get an infuser license? And I really hope so. I really hope so. But that that requires regulatory change because of all the edible products regulation. So like we really don't have a lot of seltzers in in the state or like hi-fi hops. Is Lagunitas hi-fi hops? Is there a contract for that yet? Because I don't think I can buy it. I can't buy my weed beer yet like I could if I was in California. And, and why? Because Longinidas operates in both states, you know? Yeah. Uh, however, there's also, uh, what's her name? There's a couple of them. One, there's an entrepreneur in Peoria that has a, an infused ice cream business. It's I can't remember its name right now, but it's great. And then uh, so it's infused with alcohol. And then she might also start doing oh, wow. CBD products or maybe Delta 8. But there's no license for her to be able to get uh, the THC product because you can't have something that requires refrigeration or something like that. There's like some regulation for the infused products for that. And then how do you do the dosage? So like, you know, that kind of stuff, they they would need to change all those regulations uh, to enable it. And I hope they do. But it's been a terrible rollout. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you guys. Hey, look, I'm an optimist. That means we have a lot of room to grow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sky's the limit. (laughs) That's like the whole country, though. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And it's going to, the next one that I think is going to be interesting is um, 
New York because uh, we really still haven't seen New York's rollout. Yeah. Uh, and if it and I keep telling them like do it more like New Jersey than Illinois, and I think they will. But uh, you know, there's 620 Starbucks in in the state of Illinois. I'm fairly certain we could support at least 620 dispensaries, uh, probably more than that, maybe like 1,200, because yeah. not every coffee shop is a Starbucks, you know. And maybe spread them out because if they did 1200, there'd be, you know, 1198 in Chicago. Well, uh, it's a 60, it's a, it should be a, in theory a 60 40 dispersion split because you just look at the math and the people, you know, on a plot, it's like 60% of the people live in the Chicagoland area. So that out of 13 million, whatever that is, you know, about 7 million. And then you have about 6 million everywhere else in the, hmm. in the state. That 60%, yeah. though, do you think a lot of that is like, out-of-state traffic like i would I, I think 33 percent. yeah because the importance of this recreational market is safe access right like if i was to come to illinois for a week i would buy weed one time at the dispensary at 60 dollars an eighth because you guys are so expensive but then i'd find a guy just because you guys are so damn expensive like they're really squeezing out it's the novelty of why you make the purchase the first time after that the price point you really care about what you're paying for you know yeah, yeah. but it's it's a little bit i mean everybody you know, has different habits for different reasons. I think people are still really excited about it. Um, I think that there's a certain piece of the market that we see anyways that are just like, man, I'm just so happy to be able to purchase it legally yeah, and, yeah. and have that level of comfort and no guys, you know, to have my label package. You product. always have a supply. It just oh, yeah. may be more, more expensive than you want to pay, but you have a supply and it's a decent supply. I, I just wish that there was more openness in the industry. I think it's over-regulated in Illinois. They overshot. And, now, maybe over the next three, five, ten years, uh, it'll come down because they're getting an early start on regulating the plant, unlike some of the other states that are out there. Uh, and then the regulators are all talking to one another and they're seeing what works versus what doesn't. You know, I don't know why they limiting the market like that to me just makes me think like, you know, better than the laws of supply and demand and like local <laughs> nonconforming use, you know, um, but all right. I, I realize it needs to be a regulated industry because it's something that requires safety and security. Yeah, yeah. regulating the, the product, but, you know, I mean, they definitely could do better. I mean, it could definitely be operating costs could definitely be less, which would save everybody money in the long run. Right. Uh, more competition, not only from a dispensary level, but from the cultivation level, because they're the one who's, you know, dictating the price here in Illinois. And definitely, you know, I, you know, drive back to the same thing that, 35% tax on 35% or more flour includes yeah. every vape product, every concentrate product categorically. Yep. And in Illinois, it's been a race to the top to produce high THC flour. And that's what the consumers are wanting. And they're driving the market, right. supply and demand. So I get that they're trying to compete, with, but that just raised the tax up even more. And then you've got a 3% city, a 3% county. You're looking at 41% tax. And then the guy, the, the guy's selling it all day for 35. And you're yeah. like, you know, uh, that they're setting themselves up because they want to take it all. But then they, they don't realize that um, by doing it in that, that way, uh, they're just going to not really change anything. And they really haven't. Like, the, Chicago's actually been shutting down these uh, illicit markets that started to pop up after full legalization where you know people weren't arresting anymore so we'll just do it on licensed cannabis business yeah uh, and, and you know cash flows were okay until they started tamping down on it uh, so that that wouldn't exist if they were able to get licenses and they were able to comply with the law but they aren't yeah yeah 
Oh, exactly. if people could come in and, you know, didn't break the bank and it was no more costly than my other I'm certain everybody would prefer to shop at the dispensary. They're getting a labeled product. It's been tested. They can be right. more confident in, in the purchase and, and assured that they're safe and, and legal and compliant. So, yeah, I mean, you know, once pricing can come down, I definitely see, you know, a sliding from the black market. But, you know, in the way it's up right now, prices are are where they are. <laughs> prices are where they are, but then that's because licenses are where they are. And so I think my, my thesis is that if licenses were more available, uh, the you wouldn't have to have all that. Actually, you might still, because then you have this super high tax burden. And so that super high tax burden by itself can always lead to uh, an illicit market as you're saving dozens of dollars on your purchase you know and, and that's the whole thought process in california right now they're not looking at you know uh, dispensaries and cultivators they're all in mutual agreement from a legacy standpoint that they need to abolish the tax to kill the black market oh yeah i mean yeah but you know part of the besides the black market and, and the licensing part and, and we're talking about a regulated market you we have to consider like Part, those licensees need to take that product to a lab to get tested because in the end this is what the regulated market is right we're going to have tested product in a safe accessed area you know that's that's what re re regular uh any prohibitions about it's like having a liquor store where it's going to be a safe place where i buy it and i know what's in the, the thing you know and unfortunately liquor like we're talking about parody you know that's the only reason why i talk about liquor stores you know it's not like liquor and cannabis are the same substance of good times you know but it's just the market that we're trying to like show as far as a regulated market goes. It's um, the best comparison, yeah. But testing is going to be a thing that lowering the, the cost of testing. Because here in Washington, when they legalized weed, uh, the biggest thing in, in them, they don't still ha don't have to test the same gamut that they do for medical products, right? Which is insane to me. But a lot of the people fought against that because they don't want to have that cost incurred already with the taxes. But then you have the, the cost of lab testing. So we have the strictest testing requirements in the country. Don, mm. right? I mean, wow. I know that the reporting and recall and quarantine requirements, they're onerous. They are. I mean, like just writing all that stuff, it's dozens of pages of, of each plan that you have that you must do. Uh, and then you know, what types of uh, testing requirements do cultivators have to do? Do they define a lot, and but then they don't define it how, you know as as large as they could so they have to continue to test everything more more often than they should but yeah I, I mean not i don't know you know i can't speak from the cultivation standpoint but just from what i've read we have the highest part per million here in illinois as far as minimum threshold requirements and testing and i know they can do multiple tests i mean they say only one test i think for flour but if you fail then you can make a, a different product from that and submit that for retesting. So maybe your flower doesn't pass the microbial or has too many parts per million in mold. Then I think they can make a, a distillate or another mm -hmm. product out of it and submit that for testing. If that passes, then they can use it, you know, for baits or edibles. Or so you guys but, do have a boundary of like cannabis is bad, but it can still be used for mold of gold versus. Well, the, the, it's the product. And so like the product itself, you can process the plant and then the, the bad actor gets screened out in the processing. Process. Yeah. Yeah. So you I, might have a flower that doesn't pass because of thresholds, but then you, you know, make a distillate from it and that will pass. Okay. Sure. Sure. Cause it's been so that's why there's a lot of uh, oil based products. And sometimes I hear that uh, when you're purchasing from uh, your, your vendors, they like to require you to buy oil based products as well. Is that a, how do, how do you go about buying from vendors in the state? 
there's really no requirements. That's I'd say that's a myth. I mean, there's an offer. It's I think the misleading thing from the public. I won't get you know too into details, but you know they make what they make. They have what they have available, and they're trying to make that available to everybody else. They do try to be fair about how they disperse it. So you know maybe somebody falls in love with a given strain, and I get I'm a med patient too. It's tough. It's like G6 is my medicine, and now it's not available, and it's like well, you know that's that. that and they think it's us. How come you didn't order enough? Or how come you're not ordering more? It's like that wasn't available this round. It's not. We're not Walgreens. We don't get to order. Your Costco. Cupcakes, <laughs> you know, in the chocolate or strawberry variety every week. Maybe this week they only had strawberry, you know. So it's we have diversity to the products that are offered to us. But um, we try to make those decisions not just from a typical business standpoint. A typical business would say, hey, you know, we're going to look at sales summary report and say, we're not going to order this any product anymore because we're not selling too many. But we also will take into consideration, all right, maybe this is a, a patch and it's a product. Yeah, we don't sell a lot of, but it's very medically relevant. The people who want it need it, not want it. So we are going to continue to carry that product. We're going to continue to order maybe smaller quantities and figure out what that perfect spot is. But that's another different thing just in how we operate and from a non-regulatory standpoint, things that we try to do you know, for our consumers and our patients, that's just a little bit different from a traditional retail back, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a complex industry. It is. Yeah, it's like, fun though. If it wasn't hard, they wouldn't need me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that it's difficult because it's still, it's so new. It's so new that it's still illegal by the way, you know? Uh, and and yeah. it's just one of those deals where it's like, Hey, you remember back when the industry was not quite legal? Well, yeah. yeah, but then there's some people that are they're behind me that like remember the industry when it just was not legal, and, and they were still doing it. And then, man, it's funny to me like how you know the whole basis of this is operating compliance and how strict it is. And but also sometimes when we think about pushing some envelope or some boundary with a promotion <laughs> or a gimmick, and we get that pushback, you know, it, at the same time in the back of my mind, I think, well, we didn't get here by following the rules. This is yes. illegal. Like, I mean, where, where do we, so all of a sudden now we're just, we're compliant and we just do everything this way and no way other, but we would not have the industry had we all done that forever. Well, yeah, we could start suing the state, but then like, that's one of those deals where, uh, how much do you want to bite the hand that's feeding you? And, yeah. and then it becomes a different deal where if it was federally legal, then you could see more lawsuits, you know, or maybe not necessarily lawsuits, what it really would do. Cause if you sued the state, what they would do is they'd start changing the law to moot your claim. So you can just go to the source and buy off a politician and be like, we want this. We want it to say this. But you know, the federal makes it so confusing too. So, you know, not to bring up a whole side thing, we talk about marketing and restrictions. I swear that other people can. So if you're an MSO that operates in a different state that has different advertising rules and you have a shared Facebook or Instagram account and all of a sudden you're sharing oh something to your Illinois audience, but the post originated out of Colorado, now you've worked around it because you're saying that's not an Illinois originated post. The message of that marketing campaign wasn't geared towards us. We just reshared it on our platform. But that's with intent. I, people are doing that with intent. They're developing content in other states for our state and hmm. sharing it on platforms from those. You know, I mean... Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's silly that we even have to do that, you know? <laughs> it's it's yeah. really, really ridiculously silly. But that's another one of the reasons that you just look at it and you go, guys, do we have any rights here? I mean, you legalized it. And then you, you immediately put uh, under extreme servitude all the license holders. That, and they're just at your beck and call. It's like, please, can I? Yeah, here you go. Here, Thank you for my privilege of having this. 
and, and then you you wonder um, why it's set up that way. I mean, it, what was the policy goal here? I thought it was just wrong to have this plant be illegal and it should be a licensed, regulated uh, industry. And, and then they go, no, it's going to be more like a privilege. What? That's because yeah. there's a lot of trickle-down stupidity from, from prohibition, right? Like, even in the algorithm, it's like, we didn't smoke throughout this whole thing, but do you feel that we're being flagged right now for being 18 plus over conversation about policy and, you know, and operating a business, which is dumb. And it's like, there's nothing spicy about this conversation about the, but the plan itself. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, uh, the regulations are what they are and the law is where it's at. And one day I really do hope it changes, but uh, we've been doing this podcast now for about three years, a little bit more. It hasn't changed. You know, and then it, and then it legalizes in your state, and then you just kind of watch it, and it's like, oh wait, here come the lawsuits, frozen in amber, you know, and and so then you see other states like <laughs> Oklahoma that just get twelve thousand licenses within four years, and and they have all this product that comes out of there, but then the people complain that there's no way to make money in that, uh, so yeah, the, the real truth I guess lies somewhere in between, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, just to be cliche with cannabis in general, just breaking the stigmas. And I know it's a long haul, you know, like you said, maybe it's been three years, but I got two young kids and I'm trying to normalize. I mean, I think that, you know, me having a career that supports them and they go to a private Catholic school. I mean, it's nice. No, I don't shield what my kids um, I think they're on right now with my wife. She said, is it weird that we have them watch this? This is what I do for a living. This is my job that supports them. And, yeah. and they know that. We talk about it. I mean, you know, I'm not at one point I said, you got to be careful. I don't want other parents to judge you based on what I do. But also yeah. when I say that to you, I want you to know I'm not. I'm super proud of what I do. Your dad mm-hmm. loves what he does. And I tell my kids that they know exactly what I do. And I'm proud of it. So Nice. And that's that's where it starts. When they get some power one day, maybe the world will be a better place. Let's hope so, yeah. because you know, I do the same thing with my kids. And like I've taken her to uh, trade shows, and it's uh, you, you're taking your baby to a weed trade show. Oh yeah, do my right. yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, twenty. Why not? You know, yeah. I mean, we got to bust the stigma down, and I think you know we're doing a good job of it. It's setting a good example that this could be an industry populated with you know, great people that want to do great things. You know, it's not all about greed and power. I'm just, I'm just here to be happy and support my family. And I think we're doing a good job of that. I hope anyway. So yeah, well, right. If you're happy. That's counts. Yep. That's it, man. Yep. Shoot. My, uh, my 20 year old and 17 year old don't have a concept of what prohibitions like, you know, living in an illegal state for the past eight years. So it's, 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 it's definitely something that they don't have the same paranoia and freak out that I had when I was, about their age i know because yeah, with my 11 year old she's going on 12 and i think that just me being in the industry and just it being so normal and those are the conversations we have i honestly think she's bored i don't think she cares i think when i try that's to right. talk to her she's like i know what you do that's cool whatever like, <laughs> oh that's one I'm of saying? the like i yeah. feel like when there's when you hold it back or you hide it then kids get really curious and they want to seriously know what's though what you, what's locked up over? what do you keep locked up over here what right. Oh uh, yeah, I talk about it all the time. They're just bored. They're like, yeah, my dad sells cannabis, whatever. Yeah, it's old people <laughs> stuff. Evidently, when we get older, like you need stuff to help. I'm like, yeah, that's right. It's it's old people stuff. And it is <laughs> not cool whatsoever. You know, and then because the uh, the the stigma and the mystique of it being forbidden is gone, uh, and exactly. now it's just accepted. And and so that's really where the plant can do its most good. It usually isn't for the people who consume it the most. You know the uh, the I shouldn't say 18 because they aren't allowed to buy it. The 21 to 28 year olds, uh, it should really be for everybody because when you're 28, you're fine. 
you know, uh, usually <laughs> like you're fine. Yeah. I didn't sleep last night, but I'm 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so <laughs> when you get into your forties and stuff and, or even your thirties and then beyond shit starts to break and you're like, ah, I need some, uh, pain reliever or, uh, having a really stressful day. Uh, the, the job is just insufferable stuff like that, you know, um, or, or the kids are yelling, but uh, <laughs> all you that. can, all, all of that. that and you can manage that crap. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic that the plant has come as far as it has, but I really hope that it gets you know, even more open. It's not, it's, it's still got a lot to do. Hey, we did it. We made it to 420 in Illinois. 420. <laughs> you got that bumper there, Miggy? Hmm. I got it. We try to do that like uh, 20 past the hour in the first hour. He missed it. We were talking about weed. But we actually uh, but made it, 420. <laughs> we did. Yeah, but we Eric, a, I really want to. We bring wanna... a cowbell every single day, seven days a week at 420 in, in the dispensary. And oh, cool. I love the fact that that's not a requirement. That's nothing that I started. It just started with everybody being so excited. Well, we got a vibe there. And they started doing like a woohoo round of applause. And then it escalated to a guy brought in a, a cowbell from home and oh, cool. bell every day, six days a week. We actually close at four o'clock on Sundays, but six days ah. a week at 420. Yeah. And you'll have customers who've not been in at that hour before or something. They're like, whoa, did I, <laughs> you know, they walk to the floor and we just, we ring it and everybody hoots and hollers. So Hey, is anybody, day, man. We love yeah, it. with the, the location that's there over on Glen, uh, has anybody rented the adjacent space or is that still open? Um, it's still open. You know, I don't, the owners have had a couple of different visions for it, but it's just nothing's really panned yeah. out. Um, yeah. I don't want to speak for them. I personally would love to see a consumption lounge. I just don't yeah. think Free is ready yet. I mean, honestly. Yeah, there's that. And then that was the other thing. I don't know if you know, is they were supposed to open a consumption lounge called High Harbor. And um, do you know anything about when that's going to be open? So, I mean, it's it's completely different from us. We work with yeah. that group. Um, but, hmm. yeah, I know they're doing a lot of events. That they're, they're rocking with some outdoor events and some summer concerts and stuff like nice. that. I think they're still working on the rehab on the inside. But, yeah. Yeah. Stuff takes forever to build. <laughs> Especially now, supply chain issues and everything. Oh, my else. God. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. It was a it was a good deep dive into the highly regulated um, uh, industry that is cannabis retail in the state of Illinois. Maybe it's a little bit different in your state, but uh, if you're watching from Florida, New York, maybe New Jersey, uh, fairly the same. I'm sure, like in Washington State or in I don't know how Oregon's is how regulated that is or Colorado, but um, even uh, California is fairly highly regulated. So is Michigan. But they have deli style. It's great. Going to Michigan. Yeah, going to Michigan. And I'm lobbying for changing the regulations. And so anyway, um, thanks for sticking around, everybody. Big shout out to all the members. Smoke them if you got them. We'll see you later. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Back